all right, let's have some talk. Let's hear from you. Ideas, thoughts. I believe, and I know you've spoken to this, very soon we are going to have an influx of so many people coming in here yeah. looking for the truth. This nation, this world has been lied to too long, and they're looking for truth. And we have to be ready to accept all kinds of people, people that we may look at and go, ooh. And God showed me a long time ago not to go ooh about anybody because he loves them, and if he loves them, who am I not to? So we have to be ready to welcome these people with open arms, yes. preach the gospel, and disciple them. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Now, hey, listen, whether you like it or not, our borders are wide open, and many people are coming in, and they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. We always had to go to the nations. The nations are coming here. Let's share the love of Jesus with them. Amen. Again, I know the politics involved, but let's care. I have no statistics, but in helping with the prayer gazebo for the last two years, there's a very high percentage of strong believers who have black skin, and they come and minister to us. They come because they know God answers prayers. I mean, I'll, I'll go home every week and know God is real, and God is real in all people. But that, what a, what a, um, it just humbles me to see the strong faith. Could it be because they were so downtrodden? I don't know, but I know that they are an example of wonderful Christianity, deep and strength, strong Christianity. Amen. Amen. Yeah, if you want to. I do. I think it's important to keep in mind that with uh, the things that you've taught over the last couple of Wednesdays in the different categories of this series, that we differentiate acceptance from sin and don't conflate the two. That we need to be sure that we can love somebody on an individual basis, even though they are in sin, hate the sin, but not hate the person for the sin that they have given place to. Yes. Amen. Amen. I had an experience... Um, when I was in China ministering the gospel, um, I was in uh, Beijing, and I was ministering there to the underground church, and there was also uh, an African-American woman from New York. Uh, so she and I went together to the, to the Forbidden City. We had a day off. We went to the Forbidden City. And as we were going into the Forbidden City, many, many uh, Chinese people uh, are there. They're ethnocentric. In other words, there's only Chinese people in China. All right. So they're going to see the Forbidden City. And when they got there, I've never had so many cameras and photos on me. Because here's this red guy and this black woman. And they were more interested in us. We had an entourage of people filming us. And while I was in China, the thing is, I'm just telling you the mindset there. I was considered like a Bigfoot because I'm hairy. And that means I'm lower on the evolutionary chain. Remember, this, is a, this isn't a Christian nation. This is, 
They're, they're secular. So they're fully indoctrinated in, in evolution. So my hairiness, people would always come up and pet me <laughs> because I was low on that evolutionary chain. Chinese Asians don't have as much hair on their body, so they consider themselves higher up. It's an interesting dynamic. All right. Um, so as I was listening to what you were saying up there, um, I was just like, Lord, how can I be a part of the process and healing? And I just felt like he said, um, I sort of down, so I don't want to get it wrong. Um, start in your home. That's always the first place, right? And then he said, then bring others in. So sure. it's, it's more of like an embrace Instead of, like, in my head, I was thinking, how do I go out? But for him, he was like, no, bring them in. So it's good. Just food for thought. That's a good thought. You know, how we talk at home, I know y'all put your Christian best on when you're in church. <laughs> but how we talk at home and our children hear us talk and hear what we have to say about other folks, our kids are picking that up and reading that. This is um, more with religion. And I guess I didn't realize for myself how I felt safe as a Christian, but to be around other religions was very scary to me. Yeah. I, I remember going to, I think we were at the auto show and there was Muslims setting up their booths. And I was like, whoa, I'm not going near that. So then God started putting a desire in my heart to do foreign exchange students. So I had a girl come in, and I assumed, because she was going to go to Parkway, where my grandkids go, it's a Christian school, she's a Christian. God's bringing me a Christian girl from Vietnam. And I remember you specifically saying to me, don't be deceived. Well, she moved in, and about 10 days later, she said, Miss Sandy, I have to go vegetarian for 10 days. And I said, why? She said, because I promised Buddha that if I got my American visa, that I would go um, um, vegetarian. And I said, okay. So I go in my room, I'm like, really? What do I do with this? I have no idea what to do. He said, good, because you do nothing. You trust me. And I said, do I talk to her about you? And he said, no, you show her me. What I seen from the time she moved into my home she just went back, and we thought she was done. She was going to California. Nope, she, her visa didn't go through. She's coming back to me again. And I'm so excited. I'm like, God, and I've got another one coming in. And now my heart is so open to, like, I've I, I seen things her doing in my home. I'm like going, God, what do I do with this? And he said, keep showing her me. Keep showing her my love. She ended up opening up to me about so many things that, like, she felt safe, and she's seen the love. And she, when she first came here, she wanted to immediately go right back after she got her degree as a lawyer and stuff. And then she said, no, I'm watching how you treat the women here in America, and I'm seeing how you, you treat me, Sandy. She said, the love. She said, we don't get that in my country. I don't get that. It's communism and it's Buddhism. So finally, two months ago, I said to the Lord, I said, okay, she didn't, you didn't bring her here for me. Okay, and I don't see salvation yet. I don't see it. But I haven't been preaching at her either. He came to her in a dream. <laughs> she had, at Parkway on Wednesdays, they do um, 
worship, okay? And they canceled school the rest of the day because the Holy Spirit took over the whole worship. And she said to me, she said, I was telling, I said, then Luke got in the car and he said, Grandma, they did worship the whole time. They canceled school for the rest of the day. And I said, Mia, you were worshiping my Jesus? She said, I was worshiping your Jesus, Sandy. Oh. So she was so excited. She said, he came to me in my dream, Sandy. He told me that I could come to his party. And I was so excited what he's doing. He wow. showed me, stop getting your preconceived ideas. Let me pull them in. Let me. So I learned a big lesson about I don't have to be afraid of the other religions. I don't have to. And I was. I was very like, ooh, I Amen. felt safe in my Christian culture. And I'm yeah. so safe here. But it just it opened my eyes to a lot. So I did have awesome. a major pr wow. prejudice. That's an awesome testimony. Pre preconceived ideas is another word for judging judgment and that quenches the holy spirit when we make a judgment on somebody you see, you know what i'm saying i also want to make another point uh everybody that says they're christian are they christian no so everybody that says they're muslim are they muslim no. are all muslims terrorists no. no that's a prejudice that's see we've got to be careful right and so just approach people as people and and don't make judgments and Show them Jesus. Very good. Anybody else? Yeah, right up here. Two up here. Our model today is Jim. Thank you for being <laughs> the best Jim. Little children don't seem to see color. Right. You know, and so they're taught, but they're influenced. And it reminded me of a song from South Pacific. You've got to be, let's see. You've got to be taught to be afraid of peoples whose eyes are oddly made and peoples whose skin are a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught before it's too late, before you are six or seven or eight, to hate all the people your relatives hate. You've got to be carefully taught. That song made a huge impression on me yeah. to not be like that. Um, get to know them. Trust me, I work with a lot of homeless, a lot of different people, and I'll judge them. I'll be like, man, Lord, what's the deal here? And, um, there are times he'll tell me, shut up, just talk to them. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and it just amazes me every time how once they open up, how gentle and loving and we have a lot in common and stuff. Just God will open up a way. Just talk to him. Yeah. You know, if you feel you're scared of somebody, don't be scared of them, first of all, because they're probably just as scared of you. And just talk to them. Start a conversation. And it's amazing how God will work. Amen. Amen. I grew up in a neighborhood um, in a housing project where m a lot of the times I was a minority. And going back to what she was saying about how you're taught in your home, um, I had a lot of wrongs done to me because I was the, the white girl in a black neighborhood. 
But you know, my mother, she never let, gave in to that. She, she taught us to love everybody. And she tried to help us understand why some of the, where some of that anger came from and why I was being treated poorly sometimes. And um, I'm so grateful. <laughs> I, I, it's hard for me to express myself. I'm so grateful that I grew up knowing that it doesn't matter what color your skin is. We had Garzas and we had Spanish and um, just people that were poor. I was poor, they were poor, we were all on the same level. And um, I'm just I would like to see that same thing happen now. You know, um, it hurts me to see people mistreat someone because of their color. And it hurts me that I see some of the anger come out in different ways, like riots, and, and maybe there is a good day for them to celebrate a different race might be celebrating. But there's always an enemy in there somewhere that would just like to, to sabotage it and mm -hmm. use it for his glory. Just a small little bit of people that just want to um, do evil things and make people turn against it, including me. Juneteenth, when I see people rioting and, you know, I'm so glad you spoke about it because people will always take opportunity to just muddy the waters and just spoil things mm. if we just will let them do it. And we, I need to remember what my mother taught me, just to look at the, look at the background. I always look at the background. What's the, why is the reason they're acting like that? You know, it's one thing just to not like it or to hate it or to hate them, but there's always something that's motivating that. And just if we could just always remember that there's an enemy that of all of our souls, humankind, he wants to take us down. And we don't have to let that happen. We can be the bigger Christians, we need to be an example. We need to be the example, not Amen. part of the problem. Amen. I agree with the woman in the, the turquoise shirt. I think that being taught, I think a lot of times we're conditioned a certain way to believe, to be against or to be for certain people. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of division that is caused. Um, there's a lot of stigma and I think we're all human, we're a spiritual being, have a human experience, and if we could have empathy and understand that and treat others no matter what the color is, that that's um, really important, and that the children, this next generation, really needs to be focused on that within the curriculum, I think, of our schools, and to love everybody and to not just judge anybody and where we come from. We're all from different nations, and things like that. So I think that the enemy likes to cause division and 
um, confusion and we just believe what we're, we're taught and, and go with the flow and we need to, to, to make a change and it starts when you're little. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you. Uh, years and years ago, I went on um, like a prayer ministry with uh, Evangel Church. We would go like to different areas and just talk to people about Jesus and pr- ask them if they needed prayer. And this one day we went to uh, Walmart up here on Gratiot. I think it was the first time I went out. And, uh, you know, every time a car would pull in the parking lot, you know, you see him walk up. Well, at first I was like, you know, it's about half black people, half white people in that area. And so at first I'm like, oh, my gosh, black people got out of the car. I'm like, they're not going to like me. They're not going to want to hear from me. They're not going to want to talk to me, you know. So I go up and talk to them. They're real nice, you know, and every time. So as, as the day went on and, and people would come into the parking lot, you know, the white people would like just, I'd say, hey, you know, try and talk to them. They'd just totally ghost you and just walk right by. And every black person was just, even if they didn't want to hear about it, they were just so friendly and nice, like, oh, no, I'm good. And, and the white people would, every time. So every time the car, then after, after a while, I'm like, every time a car would pull into the parking lot, I'm like, oh, God, please let them be black. <laughs> please let them be black. Because <laughs> the white people were just so, like, rude and mean, and the black people were always just so nice. I'm like, please, just let them be black. So it totally flipped my whole, where I thought, you know, they wouldn't be nice to me or they wouldn't want to hear from me. It was totally the opposite. So that notion of my mind got totally destroyed that day. Amen. A couple things came to mind as after I woke up. <laughs> it's tough to stay awake tonight, you know. Uh, but, you know, the, the efforts that have been put forth in our country for equal rights, uh, it's, it's tough to see how the devil has taken what has meant for people that are mistreated because of the color of their skin, how other people have jumped on the bandwagon and used equal rights to, to get advantages because of uh, different styles of life. And, you know, the equal rights is supposed to be meant for people that are mistreated because of the color of their skin, not because they believe they want to be a different a girl or a boy when they're not. And this, this is a little disturbing, but uh, it, there's, there's some really good angles uh, to come in, you know, as a Christian. And it's always the poor people that are easier to minister to because they're hungry to be loved. They're hungry to eat. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're ready to be ministered to, and they're crying out for help. And it makes it easy for us Christians to minister to, to the poor. And so the poor happen to be more in the city than they are in the suburbs. And, uh, and so it's, it's a good place to, to, uh, to minister to people. And it's a, a, been a struggle for me because I'm trying to move out of the city. And you know, here I am at my house and there's a little boy at the end of my driveway saying, hey, Mr. Sean, can we have a Bible study at your house? And I'm like, I look up, I'm like, Lord, I know I'm dense, but did you have to make it that obvious to me? <laughs> you know, that's an easy one there. And so, you know, I'm struggling a little bit with that. You know, I'm moving out of an area 
on my block, there's, there's a lot of kids there. And if I pay attention, I can take a car load to church whenever I'm going. And, um, but it's, it, you know, it's a constant effort because they're not there or they're gone or they're, they move on or, you know, uh, their parents don't get them ready. You know, so you have to, you have to be persistent. And, uh, you know, I had trouble with that. Um, but as long as you keep going back, sooner or later they're gonna be, there's going to be some there. And, um, and I, I like that, that, that those areas are easier to minister to. And, <clears throat> I, you know, most of the time it, it's hard because you feel like, I feel like people are going to be prejudiced towards me. And so when I approach a area that I am faced to approach many a times as I work in the city a lot, I've, I sometimes have to be careful because I've like, I know they're going to be prejudiced towards me. You know, I can see what they're thinking, you know. <laughs> and um, it's, it's just one of those things where you got to keep pouring on the love. You're pouring on the love. And then eventually the people that are there that are uh, prejudiced against me, they soften up. They soften up after a while. And then, then the door opens up to minister and to tell them about the Lord. And uh, so it's, there's a lot of advantages and angles. And, uh, and that's all I have. So one of the biggest things, when, when you get out of this country and you see the way things are somewhere else um, and you come back to this country, there is an enlightening that you undergo. And when I was in the service and I came back from a foreign country, and while I was there I saw news reports that were being put out about conflicts that were taking place and things like that. And I realized one of the biggest things is things are not what they appear. Think, information that's put out there is not truth. And so I look at things a little, I guess, cynically. I don't buy a lot of the stuff that's on the TV. And you have to realize things are not what they seem. And there are marketing companies, marketing machines that are in full swing to accomplish the works of the devil because the devil has been very effective at keeping us divided. Yeah. My mom always told me one of the biggest things that the Lord did after the Civil War was to have people in the South and the North intermarry with each other. That was the way the Lord healed this land. And when you look at the level of interracial marriages today and the kids in the music and all of this stuff, I'm not seeing what I'm hearing on the, on the news. I really don't. Compared to what, you know, when we grew up, you don't go south of 8 Mile. I don't see that at all. So a lot of the stuff that's being pumped out, I, I would be very suspicious of it. Um, so I guess I'll share a testimony. Well, I guess it's a testimony, but um, coming here for me, the church that I were, was a member of at, 
it was everyone looked like me. So when the Holy Spirit told me to come here, honestly, I was disobedient for about six, seven months. And because my pastor at the time was so close with Pastor Tim Tyler, he told me, like, you're going to you're going to go somewhere where I know that you're going to be equipped and you're going to learn. And I trust him. And I felt the peace, but I still was nervous because some of my family and friends, they are they are racist. They don't, you know. So coming here, when I first came here, the key, my kids were so excited. They were we went home. They just kept talking and kept talking. And it was like, whoa, my kids, the way that they were loved on and the way that they were receiving, it opened my heart up. And a few times I came, to be honest, I felt out of place. I felt uh, a little stereotype as coming in with three kids by myself. I felt like people were just judging me. All, that's just the, the, the enemy was just making me feel all that to make me follow my flesh to go back. But I had to remember who told me to come here. So when I joined the Wednesdays Word Prayer, and it was like they didn't see me in color. They see me in who I am in Christ. And them inviting me to go to breakfast with them, it really opened my heart up to say, like, wow, these people, like, they really, like, see me. And not these people in that context, but, like, they really see me in Christ, not anything else. And all the lies that the enemy was telling me, I had to really realize that it was just a hindrance to send me backwards mentally and spiritually. So I just want to encourage everyone that, like, when you, when you are led by the Spirit, you have to follow the Spirit, not the colors, not the building, not any of that. Be led by the Spirit. And being here for over a year, I have grown so much. The same people in my family and friends that disown me have been visiting and asking me when do we have service. So many people in my family, actually, hearts are turning to want to come their self, to try it out their self because of me. So I'm grateful for everyone, to my sisters in a word prayer that... Um, I just got to close within the last year. I just want to say thank you to each one of y'all because y'all don't know with just praying with me and inviting me to breakfast and to your homes really opened my heart up um, to stay here. So thank you all. Amen. Um, yeah, I, I was raised in a, uh, a mixed neighborhood. So a lot of my friends were black when I grew up. And I consider myself fortunate because as a result of that, I, I didn't have an issue with racism that, I, that I'm aware of anyway. And a lot of my family did, and I didn't even know that until I got older. Um, but I said all that to say, this is kind of a, a bit of a testimony. Our grandchildren, they come see us all the time. They're, they're at our house constantly. It's a blessing. But they have friends at our house, and these friends just happen to be black. And I was watching my grandson play with his friend. And they were holding hands and wrestling and just, they, they love each other, just adore each other. It's great. And it occurred to me, man, he's, he's going to grow up and it's, he's not even going to see that. The race is going to be an issue for him. And what a blessing that that's going to be for him. So I just wanted to, to mention that. Amen. Amen. So I have a question because... My, I guess you would say, racism isn't against a particular ethnic. Well, it is because I've learned that I stereotype now middle-aged white men. 
so every time I see them now, I'm tending to judge them more. What do you do with that other than, like, I pray, obviously, but kind of like you with, with the rich people, right? So what do you do with that? You asking me? I'm not middle-aged anymore. <laughs> I outgrew that. Anybody want to share? What are your thoughts? Sandy? Okay, so let's, let's flush that out a little bit. The reason you have that issue is because what are those men doing? They're buying women off the okay, street. Okay, yeah, see, that, right. Okay, okay. so middle-aged white guys are going into Detroit and buying women off the street to have their way, right? Um, so is that a middle-aged white guy issue, or is that a, just a... a sure, sure. All right, but that helps the context. Some of your thoughts. Ben, handsome young man in the back. Just throw something. I don't know. I mean, I, it's hard because you personally, you know, uh, that's a big part of your life. Um, I remember Ray Bucciarelli was here giving a, like a conference, kind of teaching about Islam. And uh, he was, one thing he said that has just stuck with me my entire life was he just said, lost people do lost things. And so that was like, I mean, that's nail, you know, nail on the head, like, yeah, that's it. And so, you know, Jesus doesn't, he didn't judge the, they just lost, they don't know any better, you know. And it's like, how if, if we aren't the ones that, step in to to love even the hardest people to love i know that you know it doesn't make it any easier to just sometimes it's it's not easy to just spit out these biblical truths and it's like it doesn't help in the moment you know um but i mean it really that is the truth and i, I was a little bit late so i don't know if you shared the verse earlier about you know our struggle isn't against flesh and blood it's just like that's just blanket statement that okay i i can't have any issues with the human next to me again lost people do do lost things it's not about you know their sin his sin her sin whatever i we're all same boat again it's not color it's not age it's not that last slide you showed lost or saved so it, you know if i'm to judge this person then why should i be forgiven for my sins you know and I'm not saying that to you, Katrina. I'm just, you know, now I'm just rambling. I'm just trying to answer, <laughs> help in any way. You know, I had thought of saying that earlier, and then with your question, I thought, oh, this kind of fits, you know, to, to offer that. So for me, those are like the two things that I am constantly telling myself um, so that I don't, you know, have any struggle with any hum other human. You know, it's not people that my fight is against. It's against you know, sin, the enemy, um, we're all brothers and sisters, lost people do lost things, you know. Yeah. 
Hello, everyone. Um, I feel like I'm on the front lines of some of this. And when I was growing up, I had no black families around me, so I had to learn uh, along the way. I'm an instructor, and I teach uh, at, out at LTU, and the majority of the students that come through the program that I'm involved with come from uh, the Detroit public school system. And I have to earn that trust. And there's a lot of mistrust on both sides. Uh, like you were saying, you don't trust white males. Well, that, that's being thrown at a lot of people. Well, the students, they don't know how to take me. They're, they're like, are, are you gonna give me a fair shake? So I have to prove to them that I'm on their side. And I think that that goes a long way for everybody. If, if you don't know, if you don't interact with people that are not like yourself, you're never gonna learn how to address and be civilized and get along with people. And the more that you do this, the more you realize that people are the same. And, and it's like, I, the, the men's Bible study the other uh, few weeks ago, we went and seen the, uh, the George Foreman movie. And I always look for an opportunity to talk Christ. I have to be careful because I'm part of a university. And, but I do talk Christ when I can. And that was my goal. And when the students in my class, they knew who George Foreman was. And that opened up a door. And it's like, now it's like, boom, they opened up like a flower. I mean, it's the only way you can explain it. They responded, and it's just, it's a wonderful experience, and you, but you have to work at it. And when it's time to shut up, it's time to shut up. <laughs> I was just gonna quickly say, uh, similar to him, I grew up in a very small town um, and so I was not raised around um, any, um, I was just raised around white people. I'll just say it like that, I guess. Um, I only had like two black families in my whole school. So it wasn't until I moved to Michigan that I got acquainted with other ethnic ethnicities. <laughs> Is that how you say it? So um, I had to break those walls down too because it was like you said, it was the fear thing because I just didn't know how to relate to other people because I was never around them. You know, but I work with people, I teach with people, you know, um, and I don't see color. In fact, you know, um, we were talking about a truck driver that came into my building and um, somebody was saying, well, was he black or white or whatever? And I'm like, you know, Honestly, I said, I don't know. And I'm like, you would know whether he was black. And I'm like, I really didn't really pay attention. I don't see color, you know? So I'm like, you know, I just, it's, it, that's where I've come to. I'm like, God's brought me to a whole different place where it's just, I don't see that. So. Amen. 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 It's kind of ironic because I had no idea what they were teaching on tonight when we came. And we don't usually come on Wednesday nights. But I just wanted to share um, one of the things that when Pastor Tim was rifling all the um, topics that you guys have covered, and I was thinking about tonight in particular, one of the things that we miss in all the rhetoric is pain. 
And many of you have no clue what it is like to be rejected, to be name-called, to be given strange looks. Um, I have a unique, well, not unique, but a kind of a challenge that uh, I don't look like I sound, for lack of a better way to phrase it. <laughs> so when I show up, you get some real interesting responses sometimes. But one of the things that's happening, it's happened particularly the last few years, is there's a lot of talking going on, but nobody's listening. And we're heading into another cycle where there's gonna be a lot of talking going on, and nobody's listening. And when somebody holds up a sign or something or does a holiday or something maybe you don't necessarily agree with, or your, your coworker or whatever says something, Ask questions, because there are situations where if you actually heard their story, it would blow your mind. And when things happen, we have a choice. We can forgive, or we can get angry. And when you run across somebody that's, that's got a chip on her shoulder because somebody did something to them, I was, um, when we, we first came here, we'd only been here like six weeks, and uh, Pastor Tim talked about this service, Eastside Teen Outreach, teens, and, and we were over there, and there were a number of people in there, and I remember I was talking to a young black guy, and he was in a, he says, Mr. Kent, every time I go into a 7-Eleven or whatever, the guy looks at me the whole time I'm in there. That's just terrible, big-time anger and all sort of stuff. And I said, um, why do you think that is? Because he thinks I'm going to steal. Why do you think that is? Well, because other people were in there stealing. I said, well, then don't live down to the stereotype. Do the right thing. But doing the right thing doesn't always mean anything. So I, I just encourage you as we head into this season, <laughs> I mean, I, it, prejudice is subtle. I was at a baseball game one time in Christian school, mostly white, and I'm with a couple of white guys next to me, and, um, and I didn't see them that way until... We're watching our kids, and they're playing baseball, and we're watching the game, and we're just talking. They're friends, you know, we're acquaintances, and, and they're talking about uh, the Red Wings. And the one guy says, um, well, yeah, they, they, they're, they're dogging it. They're not doing anything. And the other guy says, no, man, there was down there, and there was blood and all that sort of stuff. You didn't see any black guys down there, did you? Now, I'm here, the guy that said it's right here, and the other guy's right here, because we're all leaning on the fence watching the game. And I just kept looking forward. But in my peripheral, I could see the other guy, like, just die. <laughs> and the guy here, I don't think he quite got it. But is he racist? I don't think so. I really don't. I, I know him. <laughs> but stuff comes out because of what we hear and what we see and all that. And when we hear that, 
if somebody comes at you and they say, man, you guys always, just remember that they haven't got to the forgiveness part yet. And I'll tell you, Detroit, we moved here from out of state, and we got plunked. I worked on 8 Mile, Eastland 8 Mile, and apparently I learned real quick that was the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> you learn that really quick when you move from out of the area. And our team, everybody had transferred in from somewhere else. Arizona, New York, we moved here from Pittsburgh. And what hits you in the face is the racism. But not white racism, not black racism, both. It, it, it just, it hits you in the face when you move here. Because when you don't live here, you think, usually when you travel around the country, a lot of the racism is economic. You have the haves and the have-nots, the whites tend to have, the blacks tend to have not. And it's how it's been, it's changed now, I mean, it's way different now, but here, you have black union worker next, working next to white union worker. So when you come in here from out of town, out of state, you kind of go, what's the deal? And we got told, well, there's certain things that happened and those sort of jazz. And that just brings me to my last thing, um, history. Uh, my generation is making decisions and making um, comments based on history, what has happened. And we serve a today God. Mm. This is the day that the Lord has made. Give us this day our daily bread. And I praise God that his mercies are new every morning. So going forward, we just want to be really careful that we listen, that we forgive, and that we remember that today is a new day. And that we honor the Lord today going forward. Amen. Amen. Last two right over there. You get one minute each. Yeah, just one thing. With your situation that you're actually in a guard type position, right? You're guarding these, these women from um, the predators. And so you're seeing them as white predators, but even a cop would have to look deeper than that. What else besides the white? You gotta look past the skin, not past it, but there's gotta be something else to distinguish them from predatory situation. And the other thing is, you have to compartmentalize. There's got to be a time that you, you're off duty. And, and you got to, you know, this is, I understand that women have a harder time than that than men do. Men are easier to shut this off. And, but so you have to acknowledge or recognize that situation with you and say, okay, I got, I'm off duty, you know, and, and put it off to the side. You kind of have to compartmentalize that. But you got to, you know, any, situation you have to discern what's going on and what other signals are there so that you can identify it more than just the skin well i was also when i heard you say that katrina um thank goodness the good lord is so merciful and changing i didn't squirm in my seat at all <laughs> but um i was thinking uh, you know as you said that about how different people get put uh, in a categories and how you know how, how important it was for me not to judge a 
according to what certain, like when, when people drive down in my neighborhood and they're white, everybody knows what they're down there for. They're down there to score. And so the police get them all the time, it's great. <laughs> you know, the, the police use that to capture the criminals there as well as they do in your neighborhood when a middle-aged white guy's down there crossing the streets and driving back and forth and circling the block. They're easy pickings for the police. But, uh, you know, I, my dad uh, turned racist when he was in his older age because he was very, very upset at the people that were bringing me and my brothers drugs and they were all black drug dealers. And so my dad, as he got into his 70s, and as he had taught us not to be racist our whole life, he turned racist because he didn't know what to do with that either, Katrina. You know, what do you do with that? These men are, this type of man is bringing my sons poison and killing them. And he was right, we didn't have any white drug dealers. <laughs> It was all the same. He, was, he knew when a black guy pulled up around us, he knew what they were doing. And so it was hard for him. And I thought about that <clears throat> when you said that. And how, how would my dad ever gotten over that if he was still around? And um, I just have to start thinking myself of how different people get caught in traps, in situations, and why do they do that? And I got, so I felt bad for the drug dealers because I could go in and then when I got tired of all that stuff, I could get out and get out of that mess. And they have to stay in that all the time and get arrested and look over their shoulder and suffer through that lifestyle. And so, so, so I felt compassion for them after a while. And, you know, why do these middle-aged white, white men continue to poison themselves and put them in dangerous situations? Is it's it's bad for them. They're suffering through that, and it's taking its toll on the the girls in your house, and them. Amen. Uh, that statement. What do you do with that? And that's really where we're at tonight. You know, in this series that we've looked at, we've looked at major shifts in our culture major shifts from uh, perpetuating sin and the ramifications of older sins that have maintained themselves with us. The remedy is Jesus. Yep. What do you do with that? The remedy is Christ. And you are all made alive in Christ Jesus. You've been awakened to the truth. The Holy Spirit's working on all of us to cleanse us. And so that will be agents of grace. So that's what we're doing as a church, is equipping you to touch the lives of broken people. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Holy Spirit, you keep bringing us back to your word. You keep bringing us back to Jesus. He is the answer to all these issues. May we not be bashful or cower away from any of these issues, but may we bring 
the light of this glorious gospel into people's lives. May we reach out, may we grow and become more mature to the full stature of Jesus. That, Lord, we will reach the lost and win them to Christ Jesus. As we go our separate ways, God, continue to use us and minister to the people around us that you've put in our lives. Give us strength and courage now by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everybody. Thanks for being here. Amen.